0: Good morning again. Uh, This is Rick Webster, Vice President of Public Policy with NIB. I think some of you arrived a little bit later, so just introducing myself again. We're going to get started with the official program. I hope you enjoyed breakfast. If you're still eating, keep enjoying. I'm not trying to rush you along, but we do have an uh, end time of 8.30, and I know the general session also begins at 8.30. And one of the important things I need to do for those of you who are working through the continuing education credits is to give out a start code. So the official program starts now and I need to give out a code. And I'm going to do this without my reading glasses. So if you're ready. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, I'll give you a minute. And as you dig for something, I'll dig for my reading glasses. Because if I give out this code incorrectly, I am in so much trouble. They might not invite us back again. Okay, okay, they probably will, but... All right, we ready? All right, it's pretty simple. Lowercase d, as in David, d295, lowercase f, as in Frank. All right, so now one thing we're going to do is we're going to go around and do self-introductions, and I'm going to start here at this table up in the front, And I'm going to ask you to simply give us your name and where you're from, if you would, please. Not your life story, I don't think we have time for that. Although it might be kind of interesting to hear those. But uh, all right, we'll start with you, Cindy.
1: Cindy Van Winkle, Membership Services Coordinator, Minneapolis, Minnesota. All right. Donna Hepper, Bismarck, North Dakota. Alan Peterson, Horace, North Dakota. I have some Braille form raffle tickets that i like to sell.
0: Uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. <laughs> Going off script already. Come on. Come on, no selling.
1: George Holliday, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Karen tell Braille Revival League of Texas president.
2: Greta Ebert, Niedis, Louisiana.
1: Adam Rushville, Adam Louisville, Kentucky.
3: Zelda Gabhart, Edgley, North Dakota.
1: Hello, this is Oral Miller from Washington, D.C.,
0: former president of the American Council of the Blind and a number of other organizations. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a special guest. Uh, All right, backing up to this table. Here's a microphone, there you go.
3: Danielle Robinson, New York City, New York.
2: Good morning. Ray Campbell, ACB Secretary, Glen Ellen, Illinois. Worked for almost six years at the Chicago Lighthouse for the Blind, an NIB agency. Karen
4: Campbell, Glen Ellyn, Illinois. Terry Higashi, Honolulu, Hawaii. Matt Salm, Louisville, Kentucky.
3: Jeanette Gerard, Washington, D.C.
1: Patty Slaby, Arcadia, Wisconsin. Tammy there from Camarillo, California. Very
0: good. All right, moving to this back table. Here you go. Your name and where you're from. Your Sun Roberts from Sunshine, Florida. Sunshine, Florida. All right. Go
3: ahead. Carolyn, <coughs> Carolyn Burley from Canton, Ohio.
0: Canton, Ohio. Football Hall. Donald
3: Graves, uh, Milwaukee,
2: Wisconsin. Dennis Amadon, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. All right. Here you are, sir. Minister George Gordon from Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas.
0: Gary Wagner, Homestead Center for Sight, Buffalo, New York.
1: Kate Crohan, Arlington Ness.
0: And I'm going to turn right here.
4: Here you are, sir. Go ahead. Right there. Pat Sheehan, ACB board member, Silver
2: Spring, Maryland. Good morning, Michael Talley, Birmingham, Alabama. Here
5: you are, his microphone. Judy Jackson, Stewart's Draft, Virginia.
2: Paul Edwards, Miami, Florida.
1: Rhonda Trott, Talladega, Alabama.
2: David Trott, treasurer, American Council of the Blind from Talladega, Alabama.
4: <laughs> Brian Charlson, Watertown, Massachusetts.
5: Good morning. Kim Charlson, ACB president from Watertown, Massachusetts.
0: <laughs> Where's Rick? Oh, I'm right here. You, Thanks, Kim. All right, turning next to this table, who am I going to pick on first? Okay, young lady, tell us uh, your name, where you're from.
3: Sharon Strakowski, Worcester, Massachusetts.
0: All right, okay, um, you're next.
4: Harriet Stanton, Indianapolis, Indiana.
2: Steve Stanton, Harriet's sky dog for the past 54 years. <laughs>
4: Jerry Coors, Indianapolis,
2: Indiana. Don Coors, Indianapolis, Indiana, on the board of directors of Bosma Enterprises.
0: Hey, that's a name I like to hear. Kathleen
5: Duke, Jackson, Mississippi.
2: Mike Duke, <clears throat> Mike Duke, Jackson, Mississippi, member of board of directors, Mississippi Industries for the Blind, and chairman of it for another few weeks, so they have another election. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Chris Prentice, Austin, Texas. My first job was at Travis Association for the Blind in the 70s. Wow. All right.
4: Ellen Telker, Milford, Connecticut. Very good. Laurie Sertucci, San Antonio, Texas. All right.
0: Got to make sure I went a little out of order, so I got to make sure I don't forget a
3: table. Here you are, sir. Good morning, everyone. Mike Moran, Lakewood, New Jersey. Debbie Grubb, Bradenton, Florida. Jason Ion, Louisville, Kentucky.
4: Ursula McCauley, Seattle, Washington, Lighthouse for the Blind.
5: Glenn McCauley, Seattle, and and uh, I've been at the Lighthouse. It'll be 25 years and six months from now. So.
4: Erica Eliashenko from Hawaii. Malia Eliashenko from Hawaii.
0: Oh, Hawaii's in the house today. All right. I
3: have to go back to D.C. I might join you. Here you are, sir. Kevin. Oh, Kevin Ratliff, Austin,
2: Texas. <laughs> Kenneth, Kenneth Reed from Brookhaven, Mississippi. Oh, There you go. Here you go, Doug. Thanks, Doug Powell Falls Church, Virginia, and
0: I worked almost 10 years as a contract employee, leading leaders at all levels for NIB. Mm-hmm. Alumnus.
1: Frank Welty with the Lighthouse for the Blind and Visually Impaired in San Francisco, California.
0: Thank you, Frank. Here are, sir.
1: Mike O'Brien, Troy, New York, and uh, some of my earliest uh, employment was uh, with the Northeastern Association of the Blind in Albany, which is an NIB affiliated agency.
0: Indeed. Uh, all right.
4: Renee um Chicago, Illinois, President of Government Employees.
1: And I'm Tom Jones from Chicago.
0: Thank you very much. All right, now we're getting close. First, the last table. Here you are, Lynn.
1: Lynn Heddle, Friends and Art President, Birmingham, Alabama. And let's go to your
2: left. Michael Byington from various places in Kansas, retired in <laughs> 2017 from Envision.
0: Various places in Kansas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did you leave every hometown that the, the cops were chasing you out, or what's going on? You don't
2: want to to All right, all right. <laughs> How do you follow that up? I know.
3: Really? Gloria Broderick, Pasadena, California. Pasadena, very good. There
5: you are. Jan Hawthorne, Jackson, Mississippi. Sean Barrett, Jackson, Mississippi, member of Board of Directors, Mississippi Industries for the Blind. Mississippi
3: Industries is in the house. Right. Kathy Brewer, Richston, Mississippi.
5: DJ McIntyre from
3: Georgia. Debbie Young from Georgia. Marsha Farah, Somerville, Georgia, and hope to see you all at the ACB auction tonight.
0: Oh, all right, you got to do a little promo. Okay.
3: Ian Foley, Buffalo, New York. Eleanor
5: Baker, Oxford, Alabama.
3: Bob Bradley, Jacksonville, Alabama.
5: Carrie Leaney, Albany, New York.
0: Joyelle Bennett, Rochester, New York, welcome.
1: Clark Rockfall, former Program Manager, Public Policy, NIB, now Director of
0: Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for ACB. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I'll address that in a second, okay? (laughs) Uh,
5: Catherine Jedinak, Rochester, Rochester, New York. Welcome.
0: Another from the host city. And and, and now we have a very special guest who's going to introduce herself.
3: Good morning, everyone. This is Gidget Hoff. I'm the president and CEO of the Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired. Only two minutes from here, right around the corner. Come visit us. We'd love to have you. Um, welcome to Rochester. I was noting down the different states that are represented here today, and we literally have half the country, 25 states. Give yourselves a hand. That's amazing. And you all came to Rochester. (laughs) You know how hard we have to work to convince people to move to Rochester to work here? And then once they get here, they absolutely love it. It's a wonderful city, it's a friendly city, and it's um, easy to get around, so we're so glad that ACB chose to um, come here. I've been with my organization for Well, going on 33 years. I heard some pretty great tenure here, and I I see some really familiar faces that I haven't seen in a lot of years. The Charlesons, and the gentleman over there, you just said from various places of Kansas. I don't know if you remember me, but I remember you. Just not your name, because I'm getting old. (laughs) old. (laughs) And the gentleman over there who did Leaders, um, <laughs> so, anyway, so have a great conference. We're so glad you're here. I was at the Ira reception. Is it Ira or Ira? It's Ira, okay. I was at the Ira reception last night and uh, saw a lot of you, and everyone's having such a great time. It's just. Um, very exciting to be at an ACB conference. So, welcome. Have a great day and a great week. And if we can do anything for any of you, if anybody has an emergency or anything, we can do to help you, please let us know. Thanks.
0: That's terrific. Thank you, Gidget, and. Uh, I heard a lot of folks either have worked in the past or do work at one of uh, NIB's associated nonprofit agencies. Could I see a show of hands again for those who currently currently work or have worked? Wow, that's great, thank you. Thank you, thank you so much for being part of uh, such a great program, so I appreciate that. So um, again, Rick Webster with NIB. It is a pleasure uh, for us to host this breakfast again this year, I've been with NIB just eight years, I'm a short timer. Uh, but I've been here for several of these. We have hosted this breakfast for all of that eight years and beyond when I joined NIB. And we're also a conference sponsor uh, for this ACB conference and have a great, great relationship with uh, with ACB. In fact, the relationship with ACB is so strong, we've created a permanent pipeline between <laughs> between... We have a direct pipeline between our public policy department and that at ACB. So um, we have gifted to you uh, these three people, uh, Eric Bridges, Tony Stevens, and now Clark Rockfall. And and for the record, yes, all great people. So for the record, I did send a note to Eric earlier this year asking for a finder's fee. It's, it's, it's getting a little ridiculous sending people again and again and again, so I don't know, maybe I need to move to ACB at some point. Who knows? No, just kidding. I'm kidding. No, don't, don't, don't start anything. Don't start anything. Um, Kim Charlson, thank you for joining us. Everyone else on the board uh, with ACB, other officers, appreciate you being here. Good to see my old colleague Clark uh, Rockfall. Um, again, I've been with, uh, with NIB for eight years. I've been doing government affairs work for about 35 years. Uh, but it's been a pleasure uh, to work on behalf of our associated nonprofit agencies and to help improve uh, and expand employment for people who are blind. 2019 for NIB is sort of a good news bad news story. I'm going to start with the good news first and that is sales are growing and employment for people who are blind is growing. Uh, But that's attributable to a couple of things that are a little bit unique for us even in this sort of harder environment. Uh, We've had some um, Unusual orders from the Department of Defense for textiles in particular, which is when they're changing out camo patterns and uniforms and things. So we've had a a boost in business from from DOD in that area. And then every 10 years, the government does what? The census. So the Department of Commerce has to gear up and buy a lot of supplies. We've gotten a benefit uh, from that that, again, only comes every 10 years. So that's the good news is that sales are up. Uh, but that's not the important part of what we do. We focus more on employment growth, and employment growth is there. It is growing. It's increasing. It's expanding. And we're we're still proudly doing a lot of production work, manufacturing, but we're offering more and varied kinds of jobs in the services area as well. And that's that's all exciting. So that's the good news. And I told you it's a good news, bad news story. So I have to share the bad news or the challenging news. And let me start by just briefly going over a couple of issues that we've uh, done a deeper dive on in the past at this particular breakfast. The first is Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act, WIOA. We, well. we still have some serious challenges in some states with VR counselors and uh, blind agencies not necessarily fully considering Ability One jobs. Um, so that, that continues, it's based on uh, rules and sub-regulatory guidance that the Department of, of Education put out that we think treats our program unfairly. Uh, we've seen improvements in some states, but we still continue to have challenges there. And we have vacancies that can't be filled, uh, sadly, uh, so that's, that's wrong and we're, we're working on that. Um, number two, the federal government is moving forward with a plan to create multiple e-commerce platforms to sell to the federal government products. Not services, but it's in the products area, and the General Services Administration is is charged by Congress with putting us all together. Right now, they don't have a robust plan to protect the mandatory purchase requirements of Ability One, and so that's a challenge we're looking at as well. Um, oftentimes, people point to Amazon as one of the bidders that that may want to play in this space. It's not just Amazon; it's a number of other e-commerce uh, platforms that might be selling to the federal government so that remains a challenge and just overall there's um, there's not as much robust participation uh, by federal agencies in ability one so there's a bit of erosion if you will in terms of participation and that's that's troubling for us Department of Defense is our number one customer and the most loyal customer frankly we need uh, non DoD civilian agencies to be uh, much more active in terms of, of having some of their requirements met by Ability One providers. Uh, for the for the sake of time, I'm going to skip over other threats. Yes, there are more threats to our program. It's just uh, the gift that keeps on giving. And I'm going to focus on the greatest challenge that we're experiencing right now uh, for national industries, for the blind, for about three dozen of our agencies that have contracts with the Departments of Department of Veterans Affairs, the VA. Um, We are on the cusp of potentially losing all of that business with the VA. And this is a result of a US Supreme Court case three years ago, and then more recently, a lower federal court case where um, one of our agencies in North Carolina that makes eyeglasses for veterans was challenged uh, by a service-disabled veteran-owned small business, an SDVOSB, because in DC, we love our acronyms, so why not have an acronym, right? they sued saying that under something called the Vets First Program and a law that was passed in 2006, they should have priority not ability one. So uh, as we uh, challenged or fought back against that suit, unfortunately we've lost that suit. So the Department of Veterans Affairs, the contracting officers are already uh, going about the business of recompeting a number of contracts. Contracts for products, because we do make a lot of products for the VA, and also services, and that's primarily call centers or operation centers, um, switchboards. So we're on the cusp of losing all of that work. By dollar amount, it's about $113 million a year in contracts. By jobs, it's approximately 800 jobs for people who are blind. And, And if you even look on the other side, as we often say at NIB, the other side of the program with Source America, the number of people with significant disabilities who would lose employment if in fact all these VA contracts went away and went to either veteran owned small businesses or service disabled veteran owned small businesses is about a thousand jobs on their side of the program and one thing I want to make clear is we don't have there's no dispute frankly between Ability One and the Vets First Program for about 10 years they existed side by side there was not a conflict it was only when a lawsuit was brought and this, this SD company filed suit and won in the court. Now we have a conflict. We do have two statutes or laws that are seemingly in conflict that Congress has really never weighed in on. The courts made a determination that Congress wanted vets first to have priority over ability one we don't agree, don't agree with that decision, but in fact the courts have spoken so right now we 're in the process of lobbying Congress to make a legislative change. Um, There was a letter that was sent up to the secretary of the VA uh, to impress upon him the importance of this issue. It's gonna be delivered very soon. There's about 30, 35 members of Congress on that letter. Unfortunately, the secretary really can't resolve the issue. This can't be done administratively. This needs to be done legislatively by Congress, and it's a tough issue for them, because on its surface, it seems as though this is sort of pitting people who are blind against veterans, when in fact, nothing could be further from the truth because truth be told our agencies with these VA contracts do in fact employ veterans including blinded veterans and our agencies also provide service for services every year for thousands of veterans across the country so we employ veterans we serve veterans this is not a contest between ability one and the veterans community and there is a place for entrepreneurship programs for veterans who are small business owners there is a place for that and we we um, want that to continue, so there shouldn't be a competition. We need Congress to step in and sort of referee this, um, but we're, we're very concerned about, again, not just the loss of jobs but the ripple effect as agencies lose these contracts. They lose the ability to fully serve people with rehab and other services, so it's going to go way beyond that. Um, I should add that uh, I have uh, drafted a resolution for this conference uh, to pass on this very issue, calling on Congress to take action. I don't know the schedule for when those resolutions are gonna come forward. I'm hoping ACB will in fact support this particular resolution. There is no more critical issue for our community at this time. And even if an associated nonprofit agency in our network doesn't have a VA contract, we're also concerned about what impact this could have down the road. If the VA can essentially sort of walk away from Ability One, what about other agencies? What about other agencies in the federal government? So we're, we're concerned about that domino effect. I don't want to overplay that, but it is something that's in the back of our minds and is a concern. So um, I can address this issue and others in a little more depth uh, during Q&A instead of sort of rambling on. I can you know, find out what's on your mind, what questions you have. But I want to introduce a colleague to say a few uh, things for a minute here. You heard her introduce herself. Carrie Laney is uh, based in Albany. Let me get you title, right, Executive director of New York State Preferred Source program from New Yorkers who are blind NYSPSP, and she wants to spend a few minutes telling you about that program. so help me welcome Carrie Laney
5: Thank you Rick and, I'm and i 'm Carrie Laney and was I grew up about an hour from here because everyone was saying where they came from, so I wanted to say i 'm a fellow upstate New Yorker, so Parish, New York, very small town between uh, Syracuse and Watertown on I-81, for those of you that know the area. So, uh, welcome to Rochester, New York, as an upstate girl myself. Um, I am, as Rick said, the executive director of the New York State Preferred Source Program for people who are blind, a mouthful. Um, I am a NIB employee, like Rick. Um, In 2012, NIB got involved for the first time in a state use program. Um, and took over the management from um, what was known as IBNYS at the time, um, and then in 2013 they did their very first smart thing and they hired me as the executive director. <laughs> you <finally got> <laughs> no, sorry. The, thank you for laughing. <laughs> um, and so um, the, the easy way of explaining it for those who don't know: we're a mini NIB in New York State. So while, as you know, NIB is involved in the Ability One program, selling to the federal government, and Rick talked about a lot of important issues that I want to make sure we make time for him to continue that dialogue with this clearly national audience. Um, but I did want to explain that you know NIB for the first time got involved in a state use program. Um, you know, employment has gone up, sales have gone up. We're we uh, work with a lot of the same affiliated agencies um, in New York that NIB does for on the federal side. So um, Gidget and Joyelle and others um, here from ABVI. I know Gary's here from Olmstead. Someone mentioned NABA. Those are all my agencies too. I just direct state government and local governments' um, uh, business to, to those agencies so that we can have a diversified Um, employment base, which is really important when some of these federal issues come up. We know that there's the state business that keeps employment going. And sometimes there's, you know, state issues that happen, and then hopefully the federal government's doing well and keeping employment going. So um, obviously we know these are really important programs to create employment for New Yorkers who are blind, um, competitive jobs, certainly. And, um, you know, uh, I'm just really happy to be able to spend a few minutes talking to you today Um, Again, my name is Carrie Laney, and I want to make sure that Rick um, gets the microphone back to answer questions about the federal program, but um, for any of you jotting stuff down, um, my email is claney, C-L-A-N-E-Y, at nyspsp.org. Anytime you have any questions about, you know, why don't I have a state use program in my state, or, you know, how does that work, you know, being... You know, related to NIB, and how does you know how do you work with different agencies of different customer levels? Um, I'm more than happy to answer any questions here. I'll stick around a little bit after, um, and I'm just really happy to have the unique opportunity to speaking to a national audience. I'm always talking to New Yorkers. <laughs> And I would like to ask the folks from Hawaii to take me back with you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, I honeymooned there <laughs> seven, many years ago, and I want to go back. So anyway, thank you for the time.
0: Thanks, Carrie. And everyone mentioned where they're from, so I'm from the Washington, D.C. area. But for the record, I'm actually... Are you going to stick with us or not go out with Mom? Okay. You can stay here. Um, so for the record, I actually am a native New Yorker. I lost the accent a long time ago. I know you have some shocked faces over here. So I was born just south of Albany in Greene County, a place called Kuksocki, New York. And the only thing it's known for is having a state prison. Um, good, it's a good, apparently it's a good customer, Kerry says, so I didn't live there for very long. I lived there for four years and New Jersey for six years and then moved to Denver, Colorado when I was 10. My father was a minister. So I'm a PK, which explains a lot about me. But uh, I've been in therapy for years. All right, so, um, just kidding, I'm just kidding. So uh, I covered several important issues, and again, the most important at this point is this VA contracting matter, which is very complicated. It has legal aspects, even still. There's the very, very outside chance, extremely outside chance, the US Supreme Court could take up this case on appeal, but it's not likely to happen which is why we're very focused on Congress in trying to get a legislative solution, resolution of this issue. So tell me what's on your mind. I'll come to you with the microphone. I have a microphone. I see a hand up.
2: Here you go. <clears throat> Thank you, Rick. Um, I'd, I'd like to ask about the other maybe elephant in the room, and that is what is the what effect, if any, do you see on NIB with the now – the American Foundation for the Blind being named the third central nonprofit agency. Oh, boy.
0: All right, we're going we're gonna to start with a tough one. Okay, so AFB is a third CNA. Um, a couple of things about that. It was a little bit of a surprise to us. Um, the process was maybe not as open as transparent as maybe we would have liked. Um, they're still in the early stages of doing research. They're not... Um, Frankly, fully functioning as a central nonprofit agency at this point. They don't have any um, contracts. They're still doing research and providing some information to the Ability One Commission. Um, it's entirely possible several things would happen. They could continue as a central nonprofit agency, be fully functioning with a couple years, or maybe after they submit their research and there's further examination, maybe they don't continue. I have no idea. Um, we're willing to partner, work to whatever extent, but it, it's a sort of an awkward situation where, frankly, the commission has almost set us up as competitors within that space. And, and just to be clear as well, while on the, if I always say the other side of the program, the side of the program employing people with significant disabilities, Source America is likely to be joined by another central nonprofit agency as well. Central Nonprofit Agency is an organization that is uh, designated by the Ability One Commission to help organize work uh, right now on two sides of the program. The side of the program employing people who are blind, working with those associated nonprofit agencies, and then currently Source America works with those agencies providing employment for people with significant disabilities. So it's sort of divided that way. And again, there's likely to be, we hear continually, there's likely to be a fourth. Central nonprofit agency designated, and it would be for the side of the program employing people with significant disabilities. So I really don't want to say much more beyond what I've said. Uh, A lot is is still to be written and and known about what AFB is going to be doing. Um, You can look on the the Ability One Commission website to see what officially they have said about the reasoning and justification for why they designated them as a a CNA. Yes?
1: Right here. I know that uh, NIB does a lot of training programs. Um, I personally went through Promote uh, when I was working at the Lighthouse for the Blind in Seattle. Um, got hired for my job with ACB uh, while I was in that program. Um, and uh, But also the Lighthouse in Seattle now has um, Cindy Watson who also went through fellowship, um, leadership fellowship with you guys. And I, I just want to compliment NIB on providing training for people so that they could move up and um, into new positions and be really competitive. I'm wondering if you could just touch on some of those training programs you guys are offering.
0: Thank you. Thank you. So, yes, we do have – I'll get to you in a second. We have a number of training programs uh, leading the Way, uh, Help Me Out, all the different... What's our MBA program, Clark? Business Leader, BLP. We we pride ourselves on working with our agencies to provide free education, free training, because upward mobility is so important for us. You know, we're oftentimes portrayed as sheltered work, and is somehow they, they place us back in the 1930s or 40s and sort of frees us, and I've often heard said that, well, you guys were, you know, the authorizing statute passed in 1938 and was amended in 1971. You're stuck in the past. And I said, just because the law hasn't been reauthorized, doesn't mean the program has stood still. We have reformed, we have changed, we have modernized all along. And upward mobility, and as I mentioned much earlier, trying to provide a variety of jobs for people at various skill levels and abilities, that's what we aim to do and we're providing more and more opportunities and services and thank you we provide a range of free training and that's absolutely critical so i have multiple hands up i'm going to start right here wow
2: okay thank you um uh, i i've worked in a lobbying or governmental affairs capacity with Envision for a while before going back to get my comms and going back into direct service and the issue of uh, the uh, failure to give VR credit for placement at NIB was a issue that I was working on way back in the early 1990s. I'm just curious uh, the current strategies on that. It's something that still gets mentioned. Uh, of course, at the time, we were going through a reauthorization of the Rehabilitation Act, and uh, we were having frequent... Uh, uh, repartee with uh, Fred Schroeder and so on who was Commissioner of Rehab Services but I'm very curious as to what the specific strategy is now to keep this agency I mean to keep this issue which a lot of people seem to have think is settled law and there's nothing we can do about it and it's old hat what's keeping this fresh what's keeping it going and what's the current strategy there
0: wow I don't I don't have enough time this morning. Let me try to answer it this way. It is not a new issue and it's not a new challenge. It existed since about 1990 in regulation. What changed with the passage of the Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act in 2014 is it codified or put into law what existed in regulation. So it actually strengthened it. And it took the definitions for competitive and integrated employment, which were separate, put them together. But it really is, if I just go in depth for just a second, in the preamble to the rule for state VR agencies, it essentially said in there in several places if you're an Ability One nonprofit provider, you will not or you cannot offer integrated employment. So it essentially deemed our agencies to be guilty before proven innocent. And this is what we've been working on, trying to get them to understand. It says in addition to that, but every VR counselor still needs to look at every open position, every vacancy that a client's asking about on a case-by-case basis. So they can't make blanket statements and judgments about our program or about an agency in its entirety, they actually need to go out and look at the job and determine, can in fact it meet the test of being competitive integrated employment, can it be a placement? Even if it doesn't qualify as a placement, if the client still wants to work there, they're required to make the referral. In a number of states, they've stopped making referrals or have reduced referrals to our agencies. That violates the law. It's that black and white. So we're both trying at the national level to tackle this with the authorizing committees. We've asked for oversight hearings on this issue. We're also encouraging our agencies to try to develop better relationships with state VR, state by state. Because it's those relationships, once you get someone into your agency and help them understand the jobs you actually provide versus the jobs they think you provide, it makes all the difference. So that's about as much as I can say about that unless we do a separate seminar in WIOA. So I'm gonna make my way back.
4: Yes, thank you. Um, my question is, and I know we don't want to talk much about the other organization, but let's be real, this is a serious issue. Have you, by chance, gotten any cooperation from the NFB and, uh, as far as uh, going to court and and fighting this issue with, um, with, with Congress, getting any legislation? It seems to me that there are some critical issues that it takes it's going to take both organizations to accomplish, but it, because uh, there are blind people in both organizations, I just wanted, you know.
0: That is an excellent and timely question. So, uh, I have been in discussion constantly with my uh, counterpart at NFB, John Perre and NFB is interested in supporting us in in particular on this VA issue, they are hearing from NFB members that work at our associated nonprofit agencies that are concerned about losing their jobs. It's it's that simple. So so NFB and and, and NIB are in in direct, yep, we're in direct and constant conversation about ways that they can support our work on this issue. So, okay, since I'm right here, I'll get it to you, sir. Here you go.
3: Thank you. I just wanted to ask, how do we best stay abreast on the developments with this Abilities 1 VA situation?
0: Wow. Um, How to stay abreast of the developments. So I I think there might be a way for you to try to think of what newsletters the sort of general public can have access to. Um, Opportunity Magazine comes out quarterly. That's not It doesn't really cover public policy as much. We have something called NIB This Week which we occasionally put in public policy related matters in there. Um, most of the publication we do goes directly to our agencies. So there's really not sort of a public newsletter, if you will. Um, if you're really interested in staying abreast, I'm also going to give you, like Carrie did, I'll give you my email address. It's very simple. So my name is Rick Webster. So just my first initial R, rwebster at nib.org. You can email me and carry us something.
5: I'm of a certain generation, so I'm a little obsessed with social media. Um, but I would really encourage everyone to like and follow NIB on Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, they really do um, provide great updates on those social media platforms. Um, there was recently an article in The thehill.com that was posted um, by um, NIB on, on LinkedIn and Facebook. Um, so that's a great way. And please not only... Um, follow NIB, but repost those um, articles that you think are of interest to you and, and your friends and colleagues.
0: Thank you, can you tell she's younger than me? I didn't <laughs> even think about social media. So I'm coming back that way. So as I walk back, uh, we did post uh, an op-ed that uh, was done by Kevin Lynch from NIB and Reinhard Mabry from NEPB in the Hill newspaper on this VA situation. All right, I'm here, Jason. Okay, we'll say that you're, we're in a state where the um, rehab doesn't agree, can we still work but if it's not through um, rehab? in other words, do you only work through rehab, uh, or can we do it without
1: you yeah. know what I like if I want a job with you guys it doesn't have to be through rehab,
0: right? No. Or, no no, 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 it doesn't have to come through VR or through rehab. You can simply if you know there's an opportunity, go to the agency and and frankly, we do a lot of hiring that way um, NIB.org backslash careers. Why don't you just take the microphone? See, she knows all the social media and the website stuff better than I do. Okay. No, you don't have to go through them, but oftentimes that is a source, depends upon the state. So some people go out, you know, some agencies directly advertise and promote, and some work through VR. Frankly, if they've had enough bad experiences with VR, I don't know why you would continue to beat your head against the wall and try to work through them. So, all right, Chris.
2: It was my understanding that at some point last year that uh, NIB and, and uh, others
0: were working on a, a bill that would clean up the, the clear conflicts between Javits Wagner O'Day and and Weoa. What's what's the status of that bill? Is that bill still being worked on, or is that kind of faded away? So a bill to work up the to uh, to uh, to work out between. We, not sure there was a bill per se. Clark, are you remembering? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, we don't have enough time to talk about that bill. Um, yeah, that, that, was, that was a bill from a member of Congress that would have changed the Rehab Act. We were somewhat in support of that, but the problem is that bill was not going anywhere. It was never going to get a hearing committee. It riled up the larger disability community in a way that was really unnecessary and got them sort of juiced up. Um, That bill is likely to be reintroduced in a rewritten fashion, we think sometime in September. Um, It it isn't gonna solve anything for us, unfortunately, because even in a Republican House of Representatives, it was going nowhere. There's now a Democratic House of Representatives. The bill will have no Democratic co-sponsors. It's going nowhere in Congress, unfortunately. It, It tries to redefine what an integrated setting is we do have a longer term structural issue we need to address between the Ability One program and competitive integrated employment. That bill unfortunately won't get it done. So, is that, sorry, is that the answer you want to hear, right? Um, well, to yeah. Oh, hold on. I'll be right over there. Hang on one second. All right, Michael. <clears throat> Uh, yes, so as president of
5: the Alabama Council of the Blind, we are really concerned on the impact on not only our local industries, Alabama Industries for the Blind, which is a very strong industries, but nationwide. So what can we do locally to help? Um, one of the things we're doing is at our annual tra- uh, convention is we're going to do a spotlight on AIB. Um, and also we'd like to create some social media videos promoting the positive um, things about aib but is there anything we can do state to state that would help you guys because we we are concerned about the impact on our community
0: well thank you thank you for that offer and i think my advice would be to aim those positive stories at federal lawmakers because they're hearing from others about our program who are trying to define us in ways that are not accurate in many cases so i would ask you to take those stories you know take take carrie's tip and use social media you know, you, you that are younger than me and you that are older than me and more savvy in this field, um, tweet about it, post about it. Um, we, we need f- uh, members of Congress to hear the positives about our program because those who don't care for our program are more than happy to, to post uh, those sort of comments and, and frankly classify us in a way that's not accurate and it's not helpful. So ma'am, did you still have a question? Yeah, on, it,
3: on the integrated employment
1: situation, it, it, I think we all know what integrated employment is,
0: why doesn't the Congress and the, and the governmental people know? I just don't get that. Wow. Okay. So I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I'm, in terms of the sentiment, I'm absolutely with you. Um, they, they wrote the definition in a way that makes it more challenging because in part, and it gets more complicated, we have a labor ratio requirement where for products and services, a minimum or at least 75% of the direct labor input needs to be by people who are blind. And then the problem is the indirect labor management and others isn't counted in that. It is a lot of layers to this complexity. Either through a reauthorization of the Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act, which is due for reauthorization in 2020, but really isn't gonna be worked on until 2021 or 2022, maybe we make a change in that statute or maybe what's been discussed for a number of years, which is modernizing or changing the Javits Wagner O'Day Act, could also happen. So one way or the other, this issue is going to be addressed through legislation. So I'm, I'm, I'm coming your way, I'm coming your way. Is there, st-
4: is there still an agency called NAC? You know, N- was it uh, Calification yeah. Council? Is that part of NIB
0: too? It's not part of NIB. Uh, oh, okay. I- oh. Yeah. I, I don't personally work with them. If, um, all right. So we're at about uh, not quite 825. I'll ask for maybe one last question. And if there isn't, I'm going to say thank you for being here. Thank you for all your... Go- oh, the ending code. Thank you. Oh. oh, the folks at ACB would have been so angry with me if I hadn't done this. And you'd be angry with me. Thank you for reminding me. All right. Are we, are we all ears? This is the end code 861D, as in David, that's a lowercase d4. 861D4. And thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Have a great conference.